Maybe you've seen uh, a version of the cartoon, the, the bedraggled man with long robes, not anywhere near as nice as this one, but real long beard, kind of ZZ top beard and wild hair, carrying the sign, the end is near. Well, where's the cartoon in that? Well, the cartoon is that also in the picture is this giant grand piano that's about to hit him, falling out of something. Or else it could be another version. He's walking near a corner, and you can see this car careening down the street, and he's going to be taken out as soon as he hits the corner. And you know, that's the way it is sometimes. These uh, twists of thought or action. This is what humor can be about for us. So, so too are the parables that Jesus tells, like the one we heard today about the five wise and the five foolish virgins. However, at the end of the parables, we don't go away laughing. Likely we're scratching our heads. The, the shift in thought prompts us to ask, huh? What's this all about? Most of us are probably familiar with the Boy Scout motto, be prepared. Well, that is precisely one of the main lessons in today's gospel. We shouldn't be distracted by the unreal details of the parable in today's gospel. We can ask some questions that just show or we're more concerned about these weird details than we are about the real story, the main lesson. Because every parable is, has got a lesson in it for us. And if we pick a thing apart, we're going to find all kinds of faults with it, nonsensical stuff. And there's nonsensical stuff in the, this parable today. Oh, well, why didn't the ones who had the oil share with the ones who didn't? Jesus didn't teach us to be stingy. He's telling the story, and it's kind of like, what? It's okay to not share stuff? No, that's not what the story's about at all. Where, where could those in need ever find a market to buy oil at midnight? Now, today is a different matter. When I stopped to get a donut before, so that I'd have something to eat between the masses today, over at the Dunkin' Donuts, they probably had oil there, but I wasn't looking for oil. And they're open 24 hours a day, so you could get oil then if you're looking. But that's not the issue. You know, we can't go there. It's one of those odd things. Why'd they call out with the special title, Lord, Lord? That's something that's reserved for only one person. And they're talking now about the bridegroom. So why, why didn't he recognize them after all? He locked the door and they said, you can't come in. They were part of the wedding party. Why couldn't they come in? Now, let's just, just set all that stuff aside. We have to do that. What's the main lesson? We have to allow Jesus to be the storyteller. He's the storyteller. It's his story to tell. We have to go with that. He has the creative license to include details that are going to help him paint a picture to give us insight into what he describes as the kingdom of heaven. That's the key. The kingdom of heaven will be like. There it is. He sets it right out there in front of us. But then as he weaves 
his story as he spins his tale, we get all flummoxed by all this other stuff. And we forget the kingdom of heaven. And that's what happens a lot in our lives. We forget about the kingdom of heaven. And that's just, that's the crooks of the story. We're moving toward the end of the church's liturgical year, which is going to be concluding in two weekends with the Feast of Christ the King. And that means in three weekends, guess what we do? We start all over again with the first Sunday of Advent. Oh, boy. A Christmas like none others. An Advent like none other. And let's pray that this is the only one that anybody ever has to go through like this. Today's parable is one in a series that emphasizes preparedness while we await the Lord's second coming. Like the others, the parable of the ten maidens emphasizes the need to be vigilant and ready now for the Lord's coming. The running theme connecting the first reading and the gospel, which is often the case, is wisdom. The first reading is from the book of wisdom. And wisdom is one of the messages in the gospel. Be wise. Be prepared. We see it's present in the gospel, and we see that it's also absent in the gospel. Preparedness. So why are the foolish foolish? Because they didn't recognize that this wedding feast, which as usual in the scriptures represents eternal salvation, was everything. It wasn't just another wedding that you get invited to because your kids' friends are all getting married the, second, the same summer. Another wedding, like a graduation open house, another graduation open house, and another gra- No, this is not another wedding. This is the everlasting wedding. That's everything. To be there called from and called for an investment of one's whole being but they wanted to risk only this kind of tentative investment while being engaged in a lot of other interests oh yeah i'll get around to it sometime mm-hmm. danger danger will robinson oh, it's there look waiting for us all the time They didn't come to the final accounting very well prepared. Wisdom was missing. So on the other hand, why were the wise wise? Well, because they reflected on life and knew how to make the surpluses of life secondary to their main interest. As nice as it is to have all that other extra stuff, that's not what it's about. There's a bigger reward at the end. We don't want to get lost in the trivial stuff along the way. 
they saw that the foolish knew there there was this kind of one taste among many tastes in the festival of life. The wise saw this as a foretaste of the delightful party to come for which they prepared. You know, this is not just another wedding. This is the everlasting wedding. From what I understand, it's like a perpetual cruise. Isn't that one of the things you do on a cruise? You go to your room and you take a nap and you go back down to the restaurant and you eat some more. And you go to your room and take a nap and you go back down to the restaurant and try another. I'm not a cruiser, so I'm not that hungry either. An everlasting banquet. This is imagery that we're given for this in the scriptures to prompt us to make that choice for what is really important for us. If we're honest with ourselves, we can each recognize a mix of the foolish and the wise existing within ourselves. Like the the two sons in the prodigal story. We, we go off and foolishly squander what we have, and yet we are still around, but then we resent too many things that other people seem to have, like the older son resenting the younger son being welcomed back and given a party. Well, why am he in the party? I've been around here all the time. Where's my party? Wah, wah, wah. Would you like some cheese with that wine? God's goodness is there for us all. We recognize the mix of the two types in our lives when we realize too late that our lanterns are empty of the oil of gratitude or generosity or justice. We get caught up in our own worlds and forget about placing the common good before our own good. Or we fail to see how our actions affect others. We want to have that oil in our lamps burning brightly that speak more to our love for family and friends. An awareness of God's presence in our midst. A desire within us growing to contribute to the greater good of all. Those two can be side by side if we are eager to help make one just a little bit more weighty than the other. That's always the case. Christ warns us not to fall into the trap of the five foolish bridesmaids who squander their time before the bridegroom's arrival, but to embrace the wisdom of the five wise bridesmaids, trimming our lamps with the oil of mercy, with generosity, with forgiveness. In the precious time we have until Christ's coming. 